0: There's a certain very big, very legendary rock star that I became close with. And then he kind of cooled off on me a little bit. And I see him saying hi everyone, he works over us and he sees me and I get the, I see a little bit of an eye roll. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna be, he sees my girlfriend and he says hi to her. And, you know, and he says hi to me. And I I don't know, I don't know what happened there. Something, something weird cooled down. And my girlfriend and I left and she said, that must've felt bad. And I said, no, I'm like, if you told 12 year old me that I'm going to be in this guy's dressing room, he's going to know my name, I, I would have been so stoked. This is okay. He's just having an experience. He's still going to, if I send him an email, he's still going to respond to me in five minutes. This is okay. This is fine. This isn't about me. I'm stoked.
1: This is, I am living a dream right now. Hi, I'm Chris Waddell. Welcome to Living It, the podcast where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold. Say yes to adventure. Say yes to living it. Welcome to Chris Whiteout Living It, where I talk with experts in the experience of being human. Today, We have a total treat. We're gonna get a chance to talk to JJ Blair. He and I were friends back in high school. He was the guy who seemed to know what was going on in music, has been a producer and an engineer since 1994, which is really three years out of, for me, three years out of college. We'll get to the college part for you as well. But I love the breadth of what you do. I was checking out your website, and looking at some of the people you've worked with, and obviously it is a who's who of people that you've worked with. But you highlighted four Grammy Award-winning and number one uh, artists, and it went from June Carter Cash to Rod Stewart to P. Diddy uh, to the number one blues album. You know, so it's just this. It's this what's that? This week. <laughs> this week, exactly. I mean, I know, I know. You are you are a man who's getting a whole lot of stuff done. JJ, thank you for joining us. I look forward to learning about your journey.
0: Thank you. And I am again, I I uh you know, I am such an admirer of yours. So I, I was so extremely honored for you to call me and ask me to do this.
1: Well, I mean I have to I have to come clean. I feel like I feel to a certain extent, like I've been a stalker, like I've watched your Facebook page and said, you know, cause there are a lot of people who are like, this is the hamburger that I'm eating or whatever. Like you're hanging out with the, the coolest of cool people. You've got a Wednesday jam session. You've my, got my curated life on Facebook. I, apparently you're doing really well. We'll find out if that's actually true or not. But, but what I love, how did you, did you know that you were always going to be in music? I knew I wanted to, Okay. that
0: was, you know, I was uh, from a very young age, I knew I wanted to play music and I knew that's what made me excited and, and what made me happy. I, I didn't know immediately that I could do it for a living, but that was, you know, I, I knew that was something I wanted to do and I wanted to try to do.
1: Was there, was there a moment? That just kind of that that was that crystallizing moment of like this is so cool.
0: Yeah, it was it was hearing Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting for the first time, hearing that sound on the guitar, and wanting to make that sound. And uh, and and the the guy who made that sound is now a friend of mine, and I was so excited the first time I met him to tell him like, hey, you are the reason I have the life I have, because that was you, you made, you made the sound that, uh, you know, that made me want to play guitar and playing guitar is what has brought me to my life. You know, that's it. So it's, um, I, 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 I don't, I, I don't, I, I get to work with a lot of people and it's, 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 it's rare that I get to geek out on somebody, um, like that or that I, you know, and, and that was just a special thing just to go like, to, 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 to let somebody know that they, they, were, they were the genesis of, 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 uh, of my path towards music. What was
1: his reaction when you said that?
0: Uh, Davey Johnston, who, who's been playing guitar with Elton since 1971, I think, um, is the sweetest, most humble Scotsman, uh, just the kindest, most gentle soul. And, and he was very flattered. Um, and I don't know if I, 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 I don't think, I, I don't think I creeped him out too much. I mean, there was, you know, I, I there was a time there's a guitar player named Albert Lee, who I, I, think I creeped him out the one time I told him he was my spirit animal. He looked at me a little weird, So, <laughs> but, uh, it's, you know, but, uh, I, I, Davey was very flattered and, and, uh, and, and we continue to be friends and, 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 uh, before pandemic, we'd see each other, but now we just text and, and, and speak. But uh, that was, uh, yeah. So he was, it, it wasn't one of those things like where I've seen, I've seen people approach people in those situations and just get destroyed or weirded out. So I'm, I'm glad I didn't have that experience.
1: Well, there's definitely that sometimes you shouldn't meet your heroes kind of thing. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I am. But- um, but the other part of it is that we know who inspires us but we don't we never know who we inspire
0: absolutely and uh so yeah and and th- that's true i mean i'll run into people who say <laughs> you know i quote you all the time you once said i'm like
1: i did i don't remember ever saying that <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome um, This is your when Harry met Sally moment. You're quoting me back to me. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That is really funny. So how did the, how did the progression start? I think you said at one point that it was uh, that you started pantomiming on, on a, a tennis racket.
0: Yes, I would pantomime tennis racket. And finally I, I, um, I told my parents I want to play guitar and they said, right, but you have to take piano lessons first. So I, you know, I got, I took piano lessons long enough to be awful at it. Uh, and cause I just wanted to play guitar. I was, you know, I, I, and then I got, um, I think it was a harmony, uh, acoustic for $8 from, uh, you know, the local pawn shop. Uh, that was I think that was that's when I was eight
1: do you still have that one nice symmetry eight no times.
0: no no that was no because I think when I was uh um when I was uh 14 or 15 I was learning whose songs and I Pete Townsend that thing so that was uh uh <laughs> true true story I want to see what happens when you, what happens when you do this um <laughs> And uh, and when out and it, it just wasn't an easy one to play. And, it, you know, it wasn't getting played and it just had to be sacrificed um, in the name of rock and roll. So uh, when I was 11, my uh, my g- grandfather, who, who liked to spoil me, b- bought me, a, you know, a, a, a budget beginner, a, you know, a electric guitar and amplifier for my birthday and that's when i really started to play a lot more cuz that was a lot more fun and i could you know could put on rock records and start making that sound and that was really the sound i wanted to make anyway so
1: so did you did you sort of deconstruct the songs i remember reading like uh yes uh, yeah is, is that how I, it worked
0: I, I yes i taught myself i had uh i had a poster with chord shapes and i would listen and i'd try to find notes and I I had an ear Um, and I basically taught myself and I'd pick up little things from friends uh, but I never really had a formal lesson which is partly why you know (laughs) I have uh, for for someone who can play as much stuff as I do and and the advanced type of stuff i play my 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 technique just fights me i have the worst technique because i i just developed my own technique um uh i mean i you know i have good technique in terms of tone uh and and being able to get good sounds but but my my facility isn't what it could have been had i probably been properly trained to you know hey do this and do that um and that's you know but but they can't teach taste so I somehow uh, acquired taste which is what gets me I, I, taste will get you more work than facility so uh that is you know that that's that that's the benefit of that um and yeah I just taught myself and and that was uh, I think I I'd mentioned to you that uh uh, that was what I was obsessed with. And I was in constant academic probation because rather, while you guys were all in your dorm room doing your homework, I was um, figuring out how to play Dark Star. And,
1: uh, <laughs> Which ended up being a great education because it ultimately is what you do. Yes, yes.
0: Um, but, you know, and it's a good thing that we had a Sophomore year, we had a quartermaster who drank so much coffee, I could smell him coming down the hallway. So I knew when to stop and pretend like I was studying because I there was just like the coffee breath just wafted. Uh, before I it was before I broke my nose a couple times and could still smell that was the.
1: <laughs> Do you read music?
0: I i can't read staff I, I i can read charts so you can put a chart in front of me and it'll be like a you know e flat minor seven sharp 11 and i'll know you know i will know i know how to play that chord uh but if you put like
1: notes on there i'm i'm lost so you did it all by ear which is i mean that's like i mean i remember reading like keith richard's book and that's kind of how he sounded like he taught himself as well as like trying to do these old blues albums and like yeah. got it, I did it. It sounded the way that it was supposed to sound.
0: Yeah, and 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 most rock musicians tend to be that way. Uh, you know, not everyone has the. Not, you know, not everybody went to Berkeley. Uh, school of or College of Music, even though a lot, a lot of my friends who, who happen to have careers did, but, but not all of them did. And, uh, and th- yeah, it's just some people have an ear and some people don't. And I was just very fortunate that I did. Uh, I don't know how I, uh, how I wound up with it, but it, it, it's there. And I seem to be the only person in my family who has it.
1: Um, so who knows? well it's that is really interesting that you seem to be the only person in your family you almost think that some of this stuff is is genetic it's not just sort of like dropped into one person in the family but it also seems like for you that you have this wide range of music i mean just in the introduction right that you're going from from june carter cash to rod stewart to p diddy to the blues. Uh, has that always been the case for you? Have you always wanted to have you always just enjoyed a wide well, variety of different music? Well, first and
0: foremost, when I pay my mortgage, the bank never asks which band I was working with when I so I just, I mean, I'll take, you know, I'll take any job there is because I'm not picky. Uh, I'm not, I'm not successful enough to be picky. I mean, I can, I can, I can say, I can say something. I could say no to some stuff, but I, but I, 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 my thing is I like to record live music. I like to work with musicians, uh, who are actually playing instruments and there is a real, in, in terms of engineering and recording, there is a, there is an art to that, uh, that a lot of people don't have even just. You know, getting a drum kit to sound great is lost on a lot of people who say they do this for a living. There's a lot of guys who are allegedly engineers who, who get drum sounds that I'm I'm questioning their career choice. Uh, and, and so for me, any time that I get to you, you know, that, that I get just to be in an environment rather than someone's coming in with some programmed stuff uh, where the computers made all the noises, um, I like to do that, and, and and that's one of the reasons that people will seek me out because they know of my ability to do that. Uh, but I also just enjoy so many types of music. I don't, I don't want to, um, you know, I, 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 I don't want to get. I don't like to get into any type of dogma about what is you know, what's, what's legitimate and an illegitimate type of music and what I can't work. on I, I just try to find, for me, the most important thing is a good song followed by a performance of that song. But there's, there's great songs in so many genres. Uh, and I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've tuned in to um, any of our, our uh, broadcasts that we've been doing Tuesday nights on Facebook uh we have no we have no set list and we play for three hours and we'll go from i mean like we did we did like ambrosia into the style council into like we'll do that into like you know uh mc5 i mean we'll just go everywhere who we don't know where anything is going to go because we we just like good songs i mean how do you how, how do you segue from uh you know how do you segue from the sex pistols into billy joel i don't know but we do it um and because we 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 just we just like music and good songs and 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 i have i i happen to have uh f- four like minded friends even though we will disagree on <laughs> some songs we you know everything's everything's valid and 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 there's something that to take there's a nugget in, in, you know, a nugget in, in every piece of music, almost that, uh, that we try to find. Um, And, you know, life's more enjoyable that way.
1: So not, not, not every run can be a groomer. No, no, exactly. So it sounds like in some ways that you've, that you've found your voice in some ways, but it's also like you've found your your, your center, like your comfort with what you think is good, did you ever, did you ever have that moment, sort of like being in this industry, where, where you had that, oh no, what I like isn't cool, and I haven't been educated on that, and I better just keep my mouth shut. You know,
0: it's not so much that I, I, I had a friend who uh, mentored me when I was in my early twenties. Who was a, an outright musical genius? She was uh, a Russian emigre uh, who moved here in the '80s, and she went to the Prokofiev Conservatory for music as a child. You know, like she was a real prodigy who, you could you could like reach behind you and hit 15 notes on a piano, and she would just instantly call out every single note you you played. Uh, she, she was, she was that person. And I played her, a, I played her a song <laughs> that I wrote. And she goes, it, it, I, have a, I, I don't do a Russian accent well, but I'll, it doesn't work. And I go, I go, why? She's like, it, it just doesn't work i go why not and she's like because i'm like i'm like tell me she goes because it's shit it's not musical <laughs> and i wanted i wanted to cry she broke my heart and i just thought like oh man i just came up with this really cool thing and uh and she just destroyed me but then she showed me you know she wound up teaching me theory and she wound up teaching me what makes songs work and 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 what makes a great song cuz she was a phenomenal uh songwriter um she unfortunately died of cancer about uh, 12 13 years ago but just one of the biggest influences ever on me musically uh and was an absolutely dear friend her name was uh, natasha schneider and and she uh was in a band called 11 and played with queens of the stone age and a bunch of other people but uh just an absolute musical genius and uh yeah it was and and to hear you know when when someone tells you you're shit and not musical that's humbling to say the least um and a lot of other things you have you know you get you get good by being corrected you 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 know you you get you you try to join a band and you think you're hot shit and You know, because you play great. And someone goes, yeah, I can't play with you because you're not listening. I'm trying to sing and you're soloing all over me and I can't. And that was I had I had to learn how to support other people. And I had to learn how to play in a band. Oh, no, I can't just you can't just freeform, dude, you have to listen to the kick drum and the snare and you have to lock in with them you know and people tell you these things and, and and either you you respect other people's experience and their wisdom or you continue to be original and no one wants to work with you um, and and uh, and I wanted to You know i i wanted to get hired and work with people so i i I would listen and not just go like oh you're an idiot you don't know what you're talking about which is what you see so many people do in so many areas of life uh, music especially because nobody has an ego in music and um and you know people just don't learn the lessons that, that, that are available to them uh and i i i was you know i was dumb enough to be teachable
1: well, you started playing professionally when you were a teenager, right?
0: Yeah, I uh, somehow had a gig three or four nights a week at a reggae club in Chicago. Uh, and I, I did that as long I had. I eventually had to quit because... Um, I got tired of the drummer hitting me with his drumstick because he didn't like what I was playing. <laughs> I was like, I had this, you know, I had this coked out Jamaican named Zabula and I didn't realize at the time there, there was a number of lessons I hadn't learned yet, but we, we had to do this little Calypso set where these fire dancers came out and did a limbo, uh, in this, in this, uh, Indian restaurant called Kadars, you know, really high class stuff. And, um, and this was a guy whose claim to fame was, I guess he'd played with Tito Puente or something, but you know, he, he was a real life Jamaican uh, who played drums, but he had this thing, he, he, he would do these fills, but they would go, You know, normally you do a fill and you try to wrap it up and land on the one, or some guys like they'll kind of bleed past the one, but then bring it together. But his fills would go on so long, he kind of lose track of where the, the one, the downbeat was. And I realized, he would get upset if I'd stopped playing this one part because he couldn't keep track of where the one was like, it's, he's the drummer. He's the timekeeper. It's his job, but he would lose track if I wasn't doing this one thing that, you know, I'd stumbled on a rehearsal one day and then he'd hit me with his drumstick, you know, hit me with your rhythm stick. And, uh, and eventually I just, I got, I got sick of, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like, man, I can't deal with Jamaicans on cocaine. I need to, I need to find another scene here. This is.
1: <laughs> and what were you playing? Were you playing the bass then, or I was playing guitar. You're playing guitar. Okay.
0: Yeah, I, I play I only played bass at, in in a we you know we had that, Grateful Dead cover band in, in, at uh, boarding school because, um, there were already two other guitar players and I just if I was going to be in the band it's like how I wound up being a goalie it's like well no one's else is going to be goalie I guess I got to be the goalie uh when I was you know when I was seven that was how I wound up being a goaltender or six or whatever
1: you know so so that was it how how did the recording part of it come about because you started as a musician did how did the recording part work my dad was very fancy
0: and we had a lot of fancy audio equipment and uh, I you know he was a stereophile as we called it in the 70s and we had a reel to reel recorder and I had learned how to record and how to splice tape and do things like that. And, uh, um, yeah, I didn't, you know, and I remember when people had cassettes of things for, you know, I, I didn't, I, I people like would record a cassette of an album and they'd give it to me. I'm like, wow, how do you do that? How do you make a cassette? And I had to figure out how to do that. I thought you stuck a microphone in front of a speaker and that's how you record an album. I didn't know that you have to plug that in and, things like that oh and then you have to set the levels so it's not distorting and and i just these were all things i started figuring out when i was 10 and i i had an interest in it and a knack for it and i have a particular brain particular brain that likes to take things apart and fix stuff and figure things out and uh so I, i i just have a very technically adept brain uh and that progressed into high school i got a uh, I got a little you know four track uh task am recorder which then turned into an eight track reel to reel recorder with a little mixing console uh and then that I knew I wanted to do that. I got out of high school and I tried to find internships at uh, recording studios and I couldn't get it. No, they wouldn't take a kid out of high school, but I could get an internship at an ad agency that allowed me to go into recording studios and and be on sessions um, and see that. And I, and I remember taking notes from that and then getting in trouble with the producer I was working for because I kept asking too many questions and, you know, making 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 i was i was the 18 i was the 18 year old idiot uh intern who uh was suggesting to the to the uh guy who wrote like a virgin um yeah are you sure you want to use a minor chord there because that makes it sound i got so yelled at dude i was like (laughs) it was i got i got pulled aside and i got my ass handed to me (laughs) i didn't have I, I suffered from a lack of boundaries and uh, situational awareness apparently so
1: <laughs> so you taught yourself on the recording side
0: as well yeah, until uh, college um, until college when I, I took I, I, I found a college that had uh, a, re- a recording curriculum uh, with the studio and and that's where I learned a lot of the uh, theoretical fundamentals that are actually very important like you know if you're going to be um if you're gonna if you're gonna be uh, um let, let's say a a structural engineer you need to learn physics right so there's certain if you're gonna be, be an audio engineer there's certain uh things you need to understand that you know people don't know when they just go to guitar center and Buy a Pro Tools rig, and they go home, and they can't understand why everything sounds like crap. Like, well, there's certain there are certain fundamentals that you're lacking. You know, we we somehow um yeah somehow you need a license to buy certain uh, construction supplies and and do certain projects. But anybody can record because they can buy the they can <laughs> they can they can buy the equipment. They just you know fortunately no one's losing their lives.
1: And, and so you learned, you learned in college, how did, and, and so how did that end up going for college? I mean, um, well, as I like to say,
0: <laughs> my favorite, my favorite line is that was the only class I got any uh, credits in. Um, and uh, I, you know, my, my, uh, my GPA, my, my, my blood alcohol level was higher than my GPA for my second semester in college before I, left and yeah um because i just you know i uh i had incompletes and everything and i was i i had been uh i had i the the i there were no parents around uh and uh lots of i i could buy i could buy alcohol and drugs that was just you know co- college is uh, college is funny that way
1: <laughs> college is funny and but you said you had to you 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 became sober at yes. at nineteen years old, right? So this is two years before you're effectively legal to drink. Yeah,
0: I um, I discovered drugs and alcohol at twelve years old because uh, uh, I had a I had a very traumatic my 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 father was killed in a plane crash when I was nine and that is that that wasn't even the worst part just things got worse in my uh family dynamic in life and um there was just a lot of trauma and and by the time I was 12 uh I was so overwhelmed that I was I was I was saved by drugs and alcohol even though I you know had I had I had a literal face in the mashed potatoes overdose at 12 where you wind up in the hospital, getting your stomach pumped. Um, because I only have one speed when it comes to getting loaded and it's 11, you know, I just, it's pedaled to the metal. I, I, uh, never quite figured that out. Um, and so essentially from the time I was 12 and got in trouble immediately to the time I was 19, I, I was either, I'd go through periods of trying not to do anything and quitting or just being out of control. Um, and it was just so out of control that at 19, I, I, had, I had to make a choice and, and realize that this is not sustainable uh, and things are going to get a lot worse um, and things were bad, you know, And and I, yeah. I, I was I was very fortunate to uh, uh, be prodded into going to rehab which then uh, introduced me to 12-step programs which I'm still active to active in 31 years later, which have been you know a, a, a central part of my life uh, and and basically saved my life and 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 uh, cease the suffering of so many people around me who had to suffer from my alcoholism. Um, yeah.
1: Did, did you have to hit the nadir, the, the rock bottom to be able to say, this is, this is it? Did that happen? I was, I mean,
0: I'd hit the the bottom bottom and I was skidding along it for a while. I mean, but bottom is essentially when you stop digging. I mean, it could have gone further and, uh, this was the late eighties. Um, and I was, you know, I, I had, I had the awful habit of following the Grateful Dead around the country at the time. And a lot of those people that I had known, I had watched them really turn, you know, turn into heroin addicts and all kinds of things like that. And I, and I, uh, I knew that was the next stop on the train for me. Cause what I was doing wasn't working anymore like this. I'm like, boy, this, I can't turn this pain off nothing's working. I'm doing mass quantities of substances that are really ravaging my brain and my body. And I, and I, I feel horrible. I look terrible, um, but it's not working and I'm going to have to graduate to something. And I see what it's doing to these people. And I, I, I need some help because I don't want to, I don't want to go down that path.
1: And, and you were the one who initiated the help though, weren't you? You didn't, you didn't have the in- intervention or did you? No. Well,
0: somebody said, somebody suggested, to, suggested it to me you know, uh, someone that was concerned, someone that I was in school with was concerned about me and they said, you know, I think you should go to rehab. And I was, I was like, yeah,
1: that would be nice. I need, a, I need something. But that's, that's an interesting step because those suggestions usually fall on deaf ears too, right? The denial is so strong that somebody tells you, yeah, you should do this. And you're like, that, that's generally not the response of like, that's I- a good idea.
0: I had been trying on my own to stop so many times. I think I was on the umpteenth time that I had quit and then was back, you know, uh, being a total mess again that uh, you know, I, I, was, I was sort of, there's a saying that I like to use which is called, I was beaten into a state of reasonableness. <laughs> um, and uh, that you know, that's where I was. And I still was, and I still had a, you know, I, I had one little slip slip left in me after that. I put another four months together and then still hadn't really given up my bright ideas. I, I, I had a friend many years ago who was, who was a really brilliant person who used to say, <laughs> he used to say, uh, to people that were newly getting sober he said you know I, I hope you're out of bright ideas because if you have any left they suck and you're going to use them um and that was you know i had like a couple bright ideas left and i and uh so you know in september 11th 1989 i i finally was out of bright ideas and i you know i i went to some people who that i know were they had they had a problem that had been solved. I was like, "Help me, please!" Um, and I was, you know, I was in a state of complete willingness and compliance, which was uh, lucky for me.
1: Was it easy enough to move on from that? I mean, you went from twelve to nineteen, right? Did you have to go through and because part of the twelve step is is sort of like making amends with all the all the people that you've kind of wronged, right? Well, that's the good thing is when you're 19, you haven't made too much of a mess
0: of stuff yet. It's like that's what I was
1: wondering. Yeah.
0: And 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 they just, you know, you're kind of discouraged from going, hey dude, by the way, I've, you know, I slept with your girlfriend after prom. You don't, you know, like you don't go around and tell people stuff, you know, <laughs> that's information they didn't need to know. Um but <laughs> uh so I didn't make, you know, I went, I went to like the Walgreens that I stole candy from and gave them money. I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> uh, it was, it's, um, that was kind of, uh, uh, you know, it, it was more about growing up and, and having this experience. And I, and I, and I had so much, uh, psychological baggage when I, when I first got sober, you know, I was 19, I, I. Um, had been I've been being I've been treated and even you know hospitalized for depression since I was 9 uh, after my dad died um, and uh, and all of a sudden I'm having like it was terrifying I'm having pan attack, panic attacks for the first time in my life I I developed for the first time in my life I developed a horrendous stutter just like you know, fish called Wanda, you know, and and very painful contractions, and I I couldn't talk, uh, um, and and so it was you know it was interesting. Uh, there was a lot going on, and and I was you know I don't I don't think the fact that I was doing mass quantities of psychedelics was really helping my uh, my, my my brain either um, in terms of you know mood stability. Uh, so I, I, I had a lot of work to do uh, to to get to some form of uh, normalcy, um, and, and I, you know, I think doing 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 mass quantities of psychedelics also. I had this weird messianic complex that when I, when I first got sober, I, I, and Lawrence of Arabia had just been re-released. They had restored it and put it out in 70 millimeter. And I really related to him, you know, cause he had that going on. I was like, I was like, yeah, that, uh,
1: yeah, he understands. So how did it work moving forward? I mean, cause you, you said you dropped out of college after that first year went to rehab which in some ways was college in itself. It's well, I I,
0: I, I I, did one semester, went to rehab, came back to college. Uh, I, I lived in San Francisco for a year because, you know, my, my brilliant original thinking is like, hey, I should move to San Francisco for a year and hang out in the hate to get sober because, you know, because <laughs> I'm a recovering acid head and, uh, you know, alcoholic um and that way I can see more dead shows because I'm you know I have a lot of bright ideas uh and <laughs> priorities man um,
1: <laughs> funny the decisions you make right and
0: yeah yeah and that was you know and then I then I went back to school and uh after about <laughs> this was no I, I I actually I did get there's one class I did get credits in and it was like and I got three out of four credits and it was such the lamest like the lamest bullshit like you just make up your own fucking thing that you're going to, you know, I think I, I don't remember I don't remember who it was I was studying or what it was it, I was, it was just, you know, I, I had to pick some musical artist to do some thesis on and and uh and it was taught by another student so that's how lame it was and i still couldn't even get four out of four credits i got three or four credits and my review that i got was from a fellow student jj would have done very well for this class if he'd spent as much time doing the work as he did going to grateful dead shows that's the exact that's the exact quote <laughs> because i'd be like Dwayne, i'm not going to be in class for the next couple of weeks because the east coast tour started and i got a my friend, I'm going to fly out. My friend, we're just going to, you know, y- y- you understand,
1: right, bro? Uh, so this is the part of being out of control then of just like.
0: No, no, I was I was four months sober at the time. That was like,
1: <laughs> and, and so you were sober going to all these dead shows.
0: Yeah. And that didn't that 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 eventually ended. I actually, you know, what did the what did the deadhead say when he stopped doing drugs? God, this band sucks. Um no. <laughs> actually it wasn't there was not i yeah i i continued to do lots of shows and i i think in 90 i just burn out I, I burn out on what was going on with them musically i burn out on the people i burn out on the people i was hanging out with i just was like there's got to be something more to my life right now and i want to do something else and i i, I you know i don't want to i want people fo- you know i want to be making music i don't want to be following other people who are making music um and that's when i decided to move to los angeles and see what I could make happen in terms of that.
1: Did the 12 steps give you a, a framework for for the rest of your life for kind of making these dreams come true?
0: I mean, I, I suppose they have. Uh, I mean, the whole, you know, I, I, hate, I hate to get too far into it, but the, the, the whole purpose of 12 steps is to give you a relationship uh with a power that can solve your problem and 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 my problem isn't drugs and alcohol drugs and alcohol is the symptom of my problem my problem i believe uh is is a is a uh, life uh based on selfishness and self-centeredness that i just wasn't aware that i was living um that you know um, my observations uh and reactions and interpretations are all uh based on it on on self-centeredness and and uh because of that everything's uncomfortable i'm constantly in a lot of fear um and i'm always trying to fix and re- arrange a situation which is actually just making everything worse and and you, you and you're constantly trying to manipulate situations to alleviate those feelings. Uh, and that's, and so in terms of the trajectory of my life has been trying to become um, somebody who is more thoughtful about uh, being of service to other people and, and, and less concerned about my selfish needs. Um, being that being a, you know, that making For a successful life for me, I think, I think, you know, in that respect, uh, 12 steps has been a a model of, of uh, what the trajectory of my, my career and my life.
1: And was, and was depression a, a component of that?
0: It's, it's a separate thing, but depression and alcoholism are symb- symbiotic. And when I say alcoholism, I don't speak just simply of the drinking. I, I speak of that sort of underlying, um, you know, mental, spiritual condition that, that, that uh, you know, for, for me, my understanding is alcoholism is a, is a sense of discomfort and irritability that is, that is alleviated by drinking alcoholism when i suffer from alcoholism it's when i'm not drinking or i'm not doing something to counter that and and so and so in terms of depression and that that dis-ease they they have a very symbiotic relationship even though i can be very depressed and not you know i've i've been very active in the program and gone through periods of extreme extreme depression um where but the the idea to drink wasn't present the idea to kill myself was very present because i was i was so depressed but i didn't i but but the 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 urge to drink had been relieved um but uh that was uh you know i think i told you at one point that i i you know I wasn't until i was 40 and had 20 years sober that i'd experienced joy for the first time in my life Um, because that was that was a battle on its own that had to be waged that was a lot of work in a lot of areas a lot of uh, misinformation a lot of survival skills that i had acquired that had stopped working that were just causing me pain and misery things that i had to do in order to just survive my life up to a certain point and i didn't realize that you know these are ideas and, and and habits and patterns that 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 put me in a homeostasis of, of absolute uh, uh, despair um, that I had, to, I had to learn to uh, move away from, if that makes any sense. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, no, no, it totally makes sense. What's it like to experience joy for the first time at 40 years old? I mean, is this like you're coming into the light for the first time I just I life. just realized that I just that
0: I didn't have the struggle every day. I didn't have the struggle of I didn't have the struggle of waking up with a sense of dread and struggling to get out of bed and 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 go throughout my life and and carry around this heaviness and this sadness and this feeling that you know, just sort of like an opaqueness to my feelings and an opaqueness to sensing life because I, 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 um, I, I had such chronic dysthymia that I'm I am always in such a low grade, uh, you know, if I wasn't outrightly uh, completely suicidally depressed, I just, the, the, the thing was like, okay, let's just get to a point where it's just main, where it's just maintainable. Like, you're never going to be happy. Let's just get to where it's maintainable and you're not suicidal. So that the let's just keep a limit to the bottom. That's what I thought my life was going to be like, you know? And when I realized, oh, I don't have to be at the bottom. I could be at this place where I don't feel that constant heaviness and sorrow, that I don't feel this constant state of dread and despair. That's what joy was. That's what joy was. I was like, oh, this is... Uh, you know, and, and I, I think I'd mentioned to you before that um, it was such a hot, hard fought victory that I, I am no longer willing to squander my joy for any, you know, person, place or thing, any situation that's going to bring a bunch of drama and chaos uh, and, and, and despair needlessly. I mean, there's always something, you know, it's life. You go through upsetting things. My, uh, uh, you know, one of my dearest friends in the world, he's basically been my surrogate father for the last 30 years is extremely ill with cancer right now. Um, and, uh, and things like that, that's life, you know, you, you experience, you experience horrible things. Um, but, so many of us make a regular habit of choosing things that that bring uh, sadness and chaos and, and drama and stress um, needlessly because that's what we know, that's what we're familiar with, and that's what I didn't realize. I'm just like, oh, why do I keep, you know, why do I keep picking this type of woman to fall in love with? Oh, because that's what happened to me growing up, and I'm I'm not only is this familiar, part of me goes, hey if I can get this person who says they don't love me and clearly acts like they don't love me to love me, then I can undo this rejection and abandonment in my childhood. I didn't know that's what my brain was thinking, but ultimately that's what my brain was thinking. You know, I'm trying to, but all I was doing was just re-traumatizing myself over and over. And I get, I get out of relationships and you know be uh in, emotionally in the gutter and didn't realize that i just kept participating in something that was uh that was detrimental to my my spiritual well-being
1: wow and and so w- was it a conscious effort in, in some ways i mean i think that that it's almost like you were in charge of your joy like like you know i mean it's weird in some ways isn't it like like sometimes joy is kind of given to us as, as a kid, you know, or, or you kind of find it chemically where you're finding that sense of joy, but, but, but we have to, we have to take, take charge of our lives in some ways, right? Did you feel like you'd, you'd kind of, t- and, and charge is an elusive thing as well, for, right?
0: For the last 31 years, my outgoing message has said, have a nice day unless you have other plans. Um, and I believe that, you know, I, I believe that I, uh, I have to, you know, I, I, I get a choice in, in how I get to experience everything. Um, and I, a- anything that happens, I'm going to have an immediate emotional reaction and then i get to say okay uh, how am i going to how am i going to act now what action am i going to take am, am i going to do something that further's and deepens this emotional reaction or am i going to take some contrary action to maybe move away from this and 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 make a conscious attempt to experience this a little differently and not regress to you know being a, a, a seven-year-old who was just sent to his room or whatever, it is, you know, and, and, uh, it's difficult. I don't always do that. I don't always succeed. I still, there are certain situations where I still regress to being a temperamental eight-year-old, um, who's, who's, you know, who's very frustrated and can't control his emotions. Uh, but for the most part, I have infinitely more, um, control over my reaction in certain situations that I did at any time in my life so I, I try to give myself a little break when i'm not you know i'm 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 i'm, I'm, I'm you know i'm 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 still a world class asshole a lot of the times that's not you know that's never going to change uh, <laughs> but but uh you know maybe I'll, I'll i'll maybe come back and apologize for something a little sooner than i would have or or you know, I'll think about it and maybe just not say what I really want to say.
1: Um, That you're responsible. And the thing is, you're not any different than any of the rest of us, right? That we have, we have the option to determine how we're going to react to any situation in our sort of primal, primordial minds or whatever. It's, it's kind of like, we think that it's just a chemical response, right? Something happened to me and as a result of whatever happened to me it's like well this is entirely justified as a result of this and not necessarily taking that next step to go okay yeah i am responsible for how i how i react in this and and certainly not you know, you're, you're not any different as well than than most of us in the in the sense of yes we will throw tantrums but but sometimes we're held to or, or the situation holds us to a higher standard. And it sounds like that's, that's where you are personally is you're holding yourself to a higher standard. Look, I, I've had some, you know, I, I
0: got sober when I was 19. I had to learn how to grow up as a sober person. And I, I've had some really bad behavior. You know, I'm not going to go through the litany of things that I've done growing up in public. I think I mentioned my uh, saying, better living through trial and terror. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that I've done that are quite frankly embarrassing and uh, that only people who have a track record of you know turning their life around we get to laugh about a lot of people hear these stories and they're in horror um, and what I have found it, it, in order to maintain and achieve sobriety for the length of time that i have it's like i have an amazing life today not because i'm sober but i had to have an amazing life to stay sober there was no way i would have been able to stay sober for 31 years having the type of life i had for my first 5 10 or even 20 years there's just no way that i could have been up to those shenanigans have that level of uh, secrecy and dishonesty, or, or, or you know, um, choices that I was making that I had to learn to change, doing uh, uh, things a certain way, um, because you know, like I said, not only do I not want to be robbed of joy, there's just there's there's just a point where it's like, yeah, I, I can't. It's so much easier. To uh, to not think about wanting to uh, you know change my my mood chemically or whatever uh, if I'm comfortable you know I can and I can handle periods of discomfort but I can't handle constant discomfort and I certainly can't handle low self esteem and shame Uh, and low self esteem and shame is something I do have control over you know if you if you want esteem do esteemable acts. you want self-esteem um if you don't want shame don't do sneakerative stuff that uh you know that where where you can't tell someone the truth about you so that if they say you know if you say to me jj i love you where i got i'm like you don't mean it because you don't really know what i'm up to right i haven't told you everything so there's a point in my life where i i i had to, you know, I had to learn to be honest and tell people what I was up to and stop doing things that I didn't want them to know about. So then when you, when you say to me, you love me, I'm like, wow, you must really mean it. Cause you know, everything. And that's a whole level of, you know, that when that moment happened in my life, that was a complete revelation that just blew the doors wide open. And, and that was the first time I really, you know, had that journey from here to here, about you know loving myself and knowing my self-worth and and uh that was you know like uh, honesty is honesty is the final frontier you know
1: it is and it's hard to achieve and this sense of of conscious conscious choice is is something that that gives our lives a lot more power doesn't it i mean it's like it's your personal life it's your professional life it's yeah. And, and some people are in are in addictive cycles where they don't
0: have conscious choice you're doing something you feel bad about then you have and then because you feel bad about it you have to keep doing it and then it's you know Uruburos, the snake that eats its tail you know it's just it's just the cycle that keeps going uh and 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 you're in the you know shit spiral of shame and bad behavior uh and you know And I've had behaviors outside of drugs and alcohol where I had to break that cycle as well.
1: With regard to what you bring to your profession, I've seen in some of your Facebook posts where you have a lot of vintage mics. I I did see you were talking about your father at one point being an audiophile, or I think you mentioned that he was a stereophile dating, dating the time. And you have some of his old equipment still in your studio, don't you? I have his, my, my overhead soffit speakers were in our living room when I was a kid. (laughs) That's awesome. That is awesome. What's the, what's the attraction to like the, the vintage equipment or to knowing that equipment?
0: Well, Knowing stuff is just about the function of the way my brain works. I, uh, when I was forty, I was finally diagnosed with Asperger's, and everything made my whole life made sense finally, which would have been very helpful to know when I was younger. But uh, now I know why I have to take everything apart, why I can like analyze it and understand the way things work and put things together and remember just the the dumbest, most useless facts about every. Uh, you know, I, every special interest I have, um, and in terms of, uh, there are just vintage pieces that seem seemingly were made from unobtainium now. Whatever they made things out of now, there's there was just a certain sound of certain things. That people are trying to recreate it and they couldn't, but there was a period where they weren't recreating it. They were onto something new. They were onto, you know, tube technology was. It's like that's old. No one wants that. We're going to go with, you know, solid state. um, We're going with solid state transistors, which have a sound of their own. But there's a, you know, and but it's much easier to maintain. It's much more reliable then people finally were like, wait a second, I missed the sound of that other stuff as much of a pain in the butt as it was. And the reason I know a lot about it is because it is a pain in the butt and I choose to maintain it and do those things myself. Uh, And I'm very curious about it. And, um, And I just have a brain that understands a lot of this technology. So I can sit down with someone who is an expert on these things and they explain things to me and I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to grok uh, the concepts and, uh, and I can sit there and I can, you know, I can, I can take apart a lot of microphones, find, figure out why it isn't working or isn't sounding right and 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 adjust it and keep it maintained properly and certain other gear i can you know i can read a schematic i can break out the soldering iron and 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 fix things uh and part of it too is you know there was a point where the prices were not where they are now i mean the prices have gone through the roof but you 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 just accumulate stuff you get done with a record you go like man i was could have used another couple mics or another another couple you know preamps or something um then you have some money you just made a record so you buy more and next thing you know you you, you turn around and you have this you know you have like you know all this crap back here and um that's uh and then and then you know you paid this much for then and now it's worth this much um and so it it starts, you know, becoming not only the thing you love, but your retirement uh, savings. So uh, and, and, and another thing is, is it's, uh, it, it's, it's sort of a, uh, it's an attraction to clients because they, they understand that you know there's certain things that are that are rare and they know we're like oh wow i'm gonna go there and i get to use this microphone because not a lot of people have this microphone because they're rare and they cost a lot of money um and uh and they sound really great and people sing on it They're like oh okay i get it man my voice has never sounded that good uh
1: and so they come to you because they know that you have this equipment, or you introduce this equipment, thinking that this is going to be the thing that's going to help you capture the sound that you that, that the band wants, or that the, the well.
0: Let's let's get let's get this out of the way first and foremost. The reason. Guitarists have a million guitars, and engineers have a million whatever. Is because we're fetishists. So this is like let's 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 be honest and say that this is a fetish, and this is, uh, you know, this is this is uh completionism. This is there's all kinds, you know. It's like I got to have one of everything of you know, um, but ultimately, uh, it makes my job easier to have the things that I know they do what they do well. And it, and it becomes easier for me to get the sounds that I need with the stuff that sounds really good. Now I can get stuff to sound good and musical with a bunch of crap pretty much because I'll figure out what works and what doesn't work out of that aspect and sort of tailor it, but it takes a little more time and it's not, you know, not as fun.
1: Not the uh, perfect tool
0: for the job. Right. You know, like you don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, trying to, it's like trying to scrape the paint off your car with a, with a screwdriver. It's a lot easier to use a sander, you know, <laughs> but it'll work, but, <clears throat> and, um and on top of it, yeah, I want to get clients in. I want other engineers to use and, and, and use my room as well. And uh, there are certain things that are an attraction to them and, and that's, when when people are considering hiring a studio, uh, they are looking at the the space itself, what's available, what instruments are available, and and uh, what equipment is available. Um, and that's you know to I mean, think of it as <clears throat> think of it as you would. Do you want to you know if if you're a golfer, do you want to go to the community golf course or do you want to go to a, a uh, you know, uh, one that's designed by, you know, Arnold Palmer, wh- wh- whomever, right? Um, and that's and, and and that's kind of how people look at studios, and that's also you you get you get to price accordingly as well. So
1: you you sort of uh, in some ways denigrated it by calling it a fetish, but but at the same time, is it is it kind of understanding the breadth? I mean, in some ways, do you have to go? Do you have to go wide? in order to be able to go deep as well
0: in terms of if i've if i have a vast knowledge across the board of knowing what doesn't work as well as what works i don't know if that's what you mean by going wide but
1: uh kind of knowing the industry yeah i think so yeah
0: i mean i i just you know i have a friend named dave palmer who says uh my I've, i've kind of Co-opted his quote, which is eventually your experience catches up with your opinion, and and what it is is that you know it's like I, I I've had a lot of opinions going into things, and a lot of them I find out were wrong, and the more experience I got, and it's just there's just no substitute for putting in your ten thousand hours and finding out what works and doesn't work, and uh, you know, and I'm and I'm fortunate enough to. Um, I think have a knack and an understanding and an ear for, you know, just uh, there, uh, one thing I like to say is this is, a, this is a science and an art. There's a, there's a, there's, you, you reach a certain point of proficiency and then everything beyond that is a matter of opinion. This is my opinion of what this instrument should sound like. This is my opinion of how this should be mixed. This is my opinion of how the song should be arranged and produced. Um, A lot of people, I don't understand their opinion. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what they're getting at. I guess they are technically proficient. A lot of people aren't technically proficient, but there are certain people who have reached that level of proficiency and I just do not understand what, what, what their opinion is. And that's fine. I mean, there's an audience for everything, but I, I, I you know, I have opinions that are more well-received than they are rejected. And, and uh, that's, that's sort of the helpful thing for me. And a lot of that is based on my experience plus just my uh, aesthetic intuition, I, I guess you would call it, I don't know.
1: Some of this sounds like that you had a dream of what you wanted to do as a kid. I mean, from Saturday nights, all right for fighting. Like you wanted, you wanted to be in music, and then you but, started getting together and doing the and doing the reel to reel and doing your own editing and creating your own tapes, getting into the industry. It sounds like one, you're kind of living your it, dream.
0: My inner twelve year old is so stoked. <laughs> no,
1: seriously, I, I I can. I mean, one like how ridiculously cool is that that your inner t- I, t- 12 year old is, uh, is stoked
0: i'm i'm like a week or two ago i'm sitting here i'm working i turn around there's smoky robinson who called me up earlier and said can i come in and work you know it's smoky freaking robinson you know and i and and and, and i have to remind me, it's like yes this is my life and it's whatever it's 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 a little surreal at times uh and i'll, I'll tell you a situation there's there's a certain very big, very legendary rock star that I became close with. Um, and then he kind of cooled off on me a little bit and I don't, you know, and it was a little disappointing and I, I but I, it kind of it ebbs and flows and, and they played town and, and I get to, you know, I, I, I make a call. I get not only passes, I get like the pass to his private, you know, F, af- you know, his private dressing room thing afterwards. And when I see him saying hi everyone, he works over us and he sees me and I get the, I see a little bit of an eye roll and I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to be, he sees my girlfriend and he says hi to her. And, you know, and he says hi to me. And I, I don't know, I don't know what happened there. Something, something weird cooled down. And, and he's a, you know, uh, a very complicated person, but a really wonderful person. And I, and I figure, you know, whatever his prerogative I'm like, well, last time he was in town, he was calling me and asking me to help him in a situation that he was having a really difficult time. And this time I'm getting a little bit of the eye roll, you know, like, and, and my girlfriend and I left and she said, that must've felt bad. And I said, no, I'm like, If you told 12 year old me that I'm gonna be in this guy's dressing room, he's gonna know your name, he's gonna know my name, you know, like I I would have been so stoked, this is okay. He's just having an experience and I don't know, I represent something off to him that day. He's still gonna, if I send him an email, he's still gonna respond to me in five minutes. This is okay, this is fine. This isn't about me. I'm stoked. This is, I am living a dream right now that I had since I was a kid. I used to dream about, you know, it's like I used to dream about hanging out with the monkeys when I was a kid. I'd have this dream of hanging out with You know what? I've gotten, a, I got to hang out with half the monkeys in my life. You know, I'm, I went to dinner with Peter Tork one time. I am sitting at a party with, with uh, Mickey Dolans and we're talking about, you know, this uh, Henry Diltz photography. And I'm like, you know, I used to have dreams about hanging out with these people. It's, it's so my life is so surreal. It's so weird. Um, you know, and, and, and that's not what makes my life great. And that's not what gives me self-esteem incidentally. Uh, I've been able to find self-esteem and, and meaning in my life and other areas so that when these things happen, I'm just in bonus rounds and I get to appreciate it. And my self-esteem isn't based on, you know, being celebrity adjacent. Um,
1: but because so, what an amazing, uh, what an amazingly mature reaction that you had to getting the eye roll from from that big rock star. Where it's like, oh no, no, let me take a step back and let me know that that my twelve year old self would be totally stoked. I mean, it's- and this is part of what I was saying in terms of
0: uh, having an emotional reaction and then choosing my next follow up to that because mm-hmm. because it stung it stung a little bit. I felt sure. that stung. I felt that. You know, I'm like, okay, I can go back to eighth grade where I went to six flags with the other kids and who all thought I was a loser. And then when I went to the bathroom, they all ditched me. I can go to that moment and look at it through that lens, or I can look at it through a different lens. I'm going to choose to look at it through this lens in present time and not regress to being, you know, 12 years old. Um, And that's... uh, you know and that's a that's a gift to be able to have that ability and that is also a a, ha- a hard fought acquired skill and I'm and I don't always I can't always access it in every situation but you know it's it's to know that it is accessible and a lot of the time that I can go there and not just turning into a, a flaming asshole whenever I ever I have a disappointment is uh, is a blessing but I, you know there's one thing I wanted to say when we realized we had a problem the other time that I was going to talk about um, you, you've gotten to be, uh, you know, you, you. I, I, I know that some of the people you've circulated with, and uh, you've gotten to be around some very successful people, correct? Sure. Yes. A, yes. Who've, who've attained some very high levels, and, and I have noticed that more than talent, what, or, or intelligence, what allows people to at- attain success is is just relentless focus and drive and the thing is a lot of people what fuels that relentless focus and drive is self-esteem and the fact that daddy didn't show up to their recital or whatever it is and they feel that once they attain that success they will fill that hole (laughs) And they get to the top of the mountain and that hole is just wide open and now are they are very powerful sometimes famous successful people that people are afraid to say no to and and all their worst instincts are placated Um, and and you wind up with situ you know you wind up with situations like had a conversation about somebody who died earlier and they're like, man, it was, it, you know, they were tortured being so talented. I'm like, wasn't the talent that tortured them. It was the fame that tortured them. Like they were tortured before they got there and then they became famous and, and no one set any boundaries with them. Um, and it didn't fill that hole. And it didn't fill that hole. And 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 uh, I, I've, you know, I, I like to say, I am not a big deal, but I am the real deal. I, I, you can put me in a situation. I will not embarrass you. I will not mess up too badly. I will be a professional. Um, I can hold my own. And with, with, with some of, you know, the top people in in my industry, even though I don't have their resume or their, uh, you know, 22 Grammys or whatever, but, but, you know, they know I'm the real deal. I know I'm the real deal. They're a bigger deal. I'm okay. Not being a big deal. I don't need to be a big deal. I just need to know that I'm okay. I'm a valid person, and and I'm big deal adjacent, and that's good enough.
1: <laughs> well, but you know, you also talked about this sense of joy, right? And finding joy, and in recognizing that joy is not that top of the mountain where we think, okay, when I get there, because there's there's a part of us that feels that feels uh, rejected, you know, denied because we didn't have this ridiculous chip on our shoulder you know it's like oh I didn't have the chip on my shoulder that pushed me to be uncomfortable enough to do whatever it took to get there right that I need that chip on my shoulder and it's like oh you know I I feel neglected I didn't have the chip on my shoulder and and getting to the top of the mountain it's it's funny I was uh you know because obviously you know I climbed I climbed Kilimanjaro and did this kind of stuff and and the skiing stuff and things like that i when i've when i've gone and and tried to i've been working by the way
0: did i say kilimanjaro instead of everest earlier when i was talking about the himalayas i think you did i think you did but that might have actually been because i'm talking to you who climbed kilimanjaro that's why
1: (laughs) (laughs) that might have been before i hit record so it might not have been recorded (laughs) <laughs> so it might've been okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, people are going to have to talk to us about the conversation that we had before we actually hit record. But, but it's I always, I, I was putting together like Michael, my memoir and trying to think of how can I orchestrate this? Like one of the things that I get all the time are like, oh, it's great that you've overcome being in a wheelchair. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still in a wheelchair. I will be today and I will be tomorrow. I mean, I've, I've found a way to deal with it better, I guess you know, and I've found strategies, and 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 I've been successful with it. But you you don't overcome these things. I mean, these things are things that you continue to deal with. And and so as I was working on on a title for my memoir, I've, I was playing with something that's similar to what you're talking about, in that the top of the top of that mountain is always the bottom of the next mountain. And and you think, oh, when I get there, it all makes sense. And it's like. No, when you get there, then you're at the bottom of the next one. And it's like, you've got to go climb again. And so it's I I think this this is such an interesting situation that you have. Part of it is making peace with ourselves, right? Making peace with what we think we need to do in order to be successful or be perceived to be successful. And what we need for other people to think, that we're successful and just going, no, I mean, this is, this, this is all good. Like happiness, joy is a worthwhile pursuit, but one that gets forgotten a lot of the time. You you know, you said something and, you know, you're,
0: first off when I think I'm struggling, you're one, you're, you're one of the people I I think of a lot. I have, um, I have, a handful of friends who are quadriplegic. I have a handful of friends who are paraplegic that I, I that I communicate with on a regular basis. My, uh, up until, you know, a couple of years ago, my tennis pro is a quadriplegic oh, who cool. has managed, who has managed to get enough motion back in his right arm that he can kind of hold, you know, like he'll just hit balls at you. He'll hold the basket and, you know, thing. I mean, and, and, and what he has overcome, uh, Uh, my main guitar luthier who is a who's a dear friend is a is a paraplegic uh who who is like as far as i'm concerned he's the best at what he does Uh, i have a friend who's uh, another friend who is a quadriplegic who is in just constant horrible pain and uh Mm -hmm. uh and and any time that i think i'm struggling it's you guys are the I think about you guys and I think of my friends who have cancer and I go, man, whatever I'm dealing with ain't shit, you know, and I'm, and I'm, you, you guys are such inspirations to me and I, and, and and I don't, and I don't say this. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not being flippant. I, the four of you guys are really who I think about you, you, you are always in the, you know, so that's why I said, I was so honored for you to call me because you are such a hero of mine um and 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 so i try to look at this look look, like like let's look at pandemic for instance i have decided to approach this pandemic is this is the reality i'm not going to sit around white knuckling waiting for something else to happen this is the reality i am living in and i am going to figure out how to adapt and how to th- how to thrive as best as possible in this current reality rather than complaining and wishing for you know sitting around waiting for something better to happen cuz i don't know when that's going to happen i don't know it's like having an affliction And sitting around waiting for that miracle cure instead of going okay how do i move forward under these circumstances and that is and that is something that i have been taught by you and my other friends it's like different game right now different game different rules how can i be successful on this playing field and you and and to watch your success i'm like dude 14 medals that's insane that's insane this is why i brag about you i'm like i know that guy you know it's like it's 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 such an accomplishment and a testimony to what people can do in spite of whatever circumstances they are living in and i and i try to remember that and i you know um and and i I just i just got to let you know how much you know your example has meant to me uh over when i go like i'm like man i got i got some cadillac problems you know i got problems in areas that people wish they had areas and uh and it it, and it's scary and it sucks and i don't know i might lose my home or i might lose my relationship whatever but this is all like you know if 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 these people can overcome that, which looks terrifying to me, I, I, I can handle this.
1: And then if I ever have to deal with that, I can probably handle that too. It's, I think that it's what brings us together, right? As human beings, we are going to struggle. Like that's, that's the nature of it. Mm-hmm. And, and the people who struggle the best are often the ones that we want to be around because we want to figure out how they, how they did it. Right. It's like, what happened to you? Oh, what did you do you know I can learn from from that and I think that the cool part about it is is that it's the universality of it of of that we all are going to struggle and when we recognize that we're going to struggle we recognize that we're not nearly as different as we want to think we are and we have we have different problems but yet it's so much of how we interpret each problem where you talk about Cadillac problems and it's like oh, okay this is a gigantic problem. I've got to figure out how to deal with this problem. And somebody else might have a life-threatening problem mm-hmm. and not feel nearly as impacted by it, as, as strange as that might sound, you know, and it's-
0: And, and, and as an, uh, someone I used to know used to say, we all feel our pain 100%. So just because, <laughs> you know, that's, um, so it, that's not to minimize anything that anybody's experiencing, you know? Oh. But 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 uh, I, I I always try to look at things in perspective. I'm like I'm like I'm like, hey, Anne Frank spent two and a half years in an attic with her whole family. I'm like you can you can stay home for a little bit, and not eat in a restaurant, and wear your mask when you go out. I don't want to hear about it. You know, stop complaining to me. You know. <laughs> and it's
1: totally true. But we need that we need that perspective because it's really easy to get caught in our own head. Yeah. And to get caught in our own drama and go, oh, this is it. It's happening to me. And it's like, okay, well, if you want to think that that's the case, it's going to be easy. You're hobbling yourself effectively in your, in your just, way of yeah. moving forward. This isn't, this isn't happening at you. This is this, <laughs> it's just happening. It's just happening. It's just happening. Exactly. But some of the stuff that happened, I have to, I have to ask about the who thing. Because I know that, that with our group, our group of high school friends, that you played with the Who, who were probably one of your biggest, yes. favorite bands, right? Yes. How did how did well, that here's, happen? Well, what here, did that first mean? off? Here, here's the I gotta tell you the backstory. So I told you.
0: Yeah, I got I told you how. Before I came to Deerfield, I was at another school and I was I was the Omega dog, man, I was just horribly picked on and abused, not just by the other students, but even by the faculty. And there was one gym teacher, there was an English gym teacher, who just always picked on me and was just such a dick to me. And guess who his favorite band was.
1: Uh-huh. So
0: and, and who he always played during gym class. Um, so. there's a little backstory for you. So I, uh, my friend Brian Q, who, who is just, just one of the most fun and most brilliant people. He, uh, is the, uh, um, among his many very interesting, fascinating jobs. He, he is the keyboard tech, uh, and ancillary, uh, you know, tech for the who, and, um, he had he had he and another guy named Kevin Ryan wrote this enormous book called There it is. It's called Recording the Beatles, right? And okay. It, and, it, and it has everything, it's this much, it's this big, and it's everything about every piece of equipment ever used to record the Beatles, every studio they recorded in, and most of the songs exactly how they were. I mean, it, it was, it was meticulously research for 15 years and and he had to do a book release party at abbey road that just happened to coincide during a who tour so he called me up and and asked me if i would be willing to fill in for him as the keyboard tech because he knew what a huge who fan i was he knew that i was a responsible person and knew how to handle myself around rock stars and 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 wouldn't embarrass him and he didn't want to farm it out to somebody who would try and steal the gig from him. So I said, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to do that. I was really excited, Um, you know. And two weeks before that, he calls me, he says, are you sitting down? I'm like, well, I'm lying down. I'm like, what's up? He's like, well, Rabbit Bundrick, the keyboard player's wife is is ill and he's canceled the tour. Um, So they have promoted me to be the keyboard player for the tour uh, and guess who's playing this show in San Jose and this is verbatim when he says, cause he's, cause he likes to slow roll things. Goes, guess who's playing in San Jose? I'm like, I don't know who he's like, you are. And I'm like, wait, what, what? I'm not really a keyboard player. He's like, I've heard you play. You're great. You're better than I am. I'm like, will you hear me play something I'm practicing or something. He's like, no, no, you'll be fine. I'll So, uh, rabbit always kept a handy cam over his shoulder and he sent me one of the recordings and, um, I saw what he was playing and most of it was Hammond organ, which is on Hammond you're doing, you know, when you're accompanying like that, you're, you're just playing a lot of sounds and, and creating motions and things like that with the Hammond and, and filling space and just playing the right notes. You don't have to be very intricate to get the point across. And I, I have a Hammond and I, and I know how to do all that. I'm not a virtuoso, I'm a very meat and potatoes guy, but I was able to do it and I had two weeks to do it to get ready. I was the first couple days I was uh, I I had that sensation of dead man walking. I was terrified. I I think I was the most scared I'd ever been. And I wanted to chicken out. I'm like, no, no, you will hate yourself for the rest of your life. If you turn down this opportunity, this is a gift that is never going to come around again. You have to do this. And I just sat down and I shed it and I shed it and I shed it. And I, you know, I had to get up there in front of 16,000 people without ever rehearsing with the band. I didn't even get a sound check with the band. I even had like one bad mistake because based on, the mix that I had was really confusing. And I lost track of the one during uh, Baba O'Reilly during the dun, 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 dun. And I was like an eighth off because I'm, I'm listening to the pulsing synthesizer coming through and I realized after one bar and I had a, you know, and you can see in the video, you could see Pete turn around and he's like the one, you know, and it was, um, so that being said, <laughs> the moment... <laughs> because it's still high school the moment the moment that i had video of me playing with them and pete introducing me i uploaded it to youtube and sent that to my alumni association to tell that gym teacher (laughs)
1: that is awesome
0: because you know because there's just some wounds we never get over.
1: <laughs> I'm assuming you didn't, and, you know, hear the fact that I showed from... up
0: for the fact that I showed up for, to try out for seventh grade basketball and you made fun of me and sent me away in shame, you know,
1: fuck you. <laughs>
0: and that's just kind of, <laughs> I assume you didn't hear
1: anything back from him.
0: No, but I hope, you know, I, I, uh, you know, and he probably doesn't even remember being a dick to me. Right. Uh, and, and he probably has nice thoughts of me or, or whatever. Um, it's, it's, but I, I needed that vindication. There's, there's a really brilliant movie called Living in Oblivion. Uh, and and there, <laughs> there's a moment where Steve Buscemi, who plays the director, he's fantasizing about getting his award for the best movie ever made. And he's giving his speech and he's like, you know, to to Mary Jane, who said no, blah blah blah. And this person, this person, you know, all, and names all these people, all these people. Uh, I'd like to say thank you, but I can't. So, yeah, <laughs> because yeah, I'm not, I'm not that spiritually evolved. You know, I, I talk a good game, but deep down inside, I am just, I'm just. Sometimes I'm just a, a wounded little twelve-year-old who wants my pound of flesh. <laughs>
1: what was it like coming off stage with the who i mean was this like I kind of, you know,
0: okay that's great i get off stage and the lighting guy says hey you were great except for that part on Barbara o'reilly
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is like the, oh you heard that <laughs> and then which was that because here's the great thing No, you know to go even further with that
0: someone put a comment yeah on youtube yeah, JJ was great, except for that part of Barbara Riley, and you could you could edit comments back then. I'm like, delete, delete. <laughs> that
1: is awesome. But, but I woke thing, up the next
0: morning, and someone created a, my own Wikipedia page. I'm like, okay, this is weird.
1: <laughs> but the cool part about that is it sounds like, I mean, this is what it sounds like right now, is that that one comment, or those couple of comments about Barbara Riley, uh, we're you were okay with it like you weren't you weren't caught up on that one thing you were caught up in the the emotion of the whole deal
0: dude how many people can say they got to play keyboards with the who come on (laughs) (laughs) very few and and i've you know and i've i've my my relationship with them you know continues a little bit and my friendship with them continues and it's and it's and and it's fine it's like you know, I'm, it's all, and it's weird because it's something like, even, even my friends who play with like really big bands, you know, my friend who was playing with Guns N' Roses at the time was like, dude, I heard you played with the who, you know, it was like, right.
1: It's like, come on. Is that the one? Is that the pinnacle? Like career-wise that you go, this is, this is the one?
0: I don't know. I mean, I don't set out to be a touring musician. And that's if if I had gotten to play guitar with them and do something that I felt I was really proficient. I mean, I was, you know, where I was, I I, I just happened to be a good enough musician that I was able to fill that role, uh, not make too much a mess of it, not ruin the concert and be musical and professional. Uh, it's not like, you know, I, I would have felt better if I got to do the gig on guitar where it's something where I could be like, oh, I, I killed, I was really good. Um, because that's that's really the instrument that I'm very, you know, proficient at. Uh, and and I, I just look at it as, man, I was in the right place at the right time. I, I, sometimes I lead a very charmed life and, uh, I, I had the faith in my abilities to have the courage to do something that was terrifying. And, and you know, and, and I, I like to say everything I've learned about a lot of my professional stuff, I, 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 I learned, I learned on the mountain, you know, there's a point at which I, I, you're about to send it off a cliff and you just got to decide to point it. You yeah. can't hesitate. You hesitate. You're going to, you're going to have a bad day. And, uh, this is snowboarding you're talking about. Yeah, it's a snowboarding, and um, and I try to apply that. You know, for some reason I can't. I'm, I'm too scared to call my uh, uh, my um, timeshare people and get out of that contract. Like that's too terrifying. But I'll get on stage with people, or I'll go down with some insane face. Uh, in the chugach mountains in alaska that you know makes people crap their pants and not think twice about it um and you know and there's just there's just certain fears i have learned to just move through and just sort of embrace the fear take the warning from it you know because fear is definitely your friend you can't ignore it just take the warning from it but also just tighten up your performance because of it and just show up and have faith in your abilities that, um, that you can do this.
1: Is that some of the returning to essence that you use in, in your profession, but even like I've seen you reconditioning guitars and, and I mean, it seems like there is, there is through Facebook, there is a, an easily comprehended love for this piece of equipment its significance its its connection to you to the world to music uh is that part of the the simplicity that you're trying to achieve or or that you need to achieve
0: boy well, I, I haven't really analyzed it i just kind of do it <laughs> uh, that's awesome I'm, I'm just kind of you know it's like hey I'm supposed to start this mix. I'm really not feeling it, man. Maybe I should refinish that base that has the wrong finish that I've been, it's been driving me nuts. Like sometimes that's all it is.
1: (laughs) It's procrastination.
0: That's just, you know, uh, and, and, and it's, it's just my OCD and sometimes like my OCD and my ADD and my PTSD kind of all fight it out. And I wind up with WTF. Um, It's it's just that happens sometimes where I'm just like, you know, but uh, yeah, it's just more kind of that I it's like eh, this isn't right and I need to fix it and I don't know that I'm thinking spiritually about like I need to I need to do God's work and return this to its original state it's more just like it's wrong and it's bugging me and I have the ability to do something about it or I'm going to learn about how to do something about it and make it right and that's 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 really as deep as my thinking goes it's just a, it's an eyesore it's keeping me up at night I gotta fix it you know
1: <laughs> let me see if I can can I get you out on this one because because the, there is is a bit of a legend we started with with the idea of of la and me being a, a facebook stalker and following you around and going wow look at how cool this is everything that jj's doing i had heard a legend and i don't know that this is true i think i heard it through our high school group is it true that that you live in harry houdini's old house no i do not no but
0: no but three doors down is bella lugosi's old house and my friend jeff russo lives in that
1: okay well that's good i've i've told people for years that you live in harry houdini's old house and and if you did i wanted to know like all the intricate little back ways and secret passages and
0: no sadly no ah yeah
1: oh well i got misinformation
0: 1920s house, but nobody's, uh, nobody, uh, you know, note, I think some, some TV writer with a bad Coke habit had in the eighties. And that was, uh, there was just a lot of weird black lacquer and, uh, whitewash stuff that happens when you do
1: Coke in the eighties. <laughs> well, some of that stuff did happen. And that's, that's a mark on history, right? The eighties and Coke and all that stuff. What's, what's next for you? What?
0: Um. You know, I have some. I have. Uh, I have some work on my plate. Uh. I. You know. I <laughs> think I discussed with you. I, I. have a personal matter that I'm. I'm. <laughs> just kind of have my. Has my whole life on hold. I'm going to see where that's going. Um. And. Uh, I'm. Again. I'm. I'm. I'm trying to thrive, in the current state of things uh under these conditions i'm i'm in the middle of mixing a record i have another record to mix i'm going i'm going back to alaska to go heli boarding Uh, i'm going back to nashville to record another record in april um you know my life is amazing i don't know i i don't know how I mean, I do know how, you know, and I and I and I, I I had I had a plan, and I had to take a circuitous route, you know. I I did not take the left turn at Albuquerque. I like I had to take a circuitous route, and it was my focus. And I kind of wound up doing what I love to do, and I worked really hard to get good at doing it, and put myself in situations where people noticed it and gave me opportunities. And I made sure, you know, I still get, I still get scared when I show up for certain jobs going like, Ugh, you know, and I do it. And I'm like, Oh no, I can do this. I can handle this. This is, this is my thing.
1: Um, but as you said before, you, you, you believe that your best work is in front of you as well. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always trying to
0: learn. I'm always, I'm still trying to, you know i i i i hear people say i i had to give up hockey a couple years ago because I, I had i got tired of having shoulder surgeries but um but i i would hear guys say like no man there's, you're not you can't improve past the age of 40 which i thought was nonsense i was still taking skating lessons after 40 because i'm like you know what i want to i i there's parts of my game that could improve, you know, and it's the same thing. I'm still trying to learn new things as an engineer. I'm still trying to learn new things as a, as a, uh, 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 as a musician, as a producer, and just as a human being. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I think that's what keeps you young. I'm a, I mean, I've, 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 I had to go on this horrible gluten-free diet because I found out I have a terrible, allergy to gluten. So I've I've lost like 16 pounds in the last month. And so I don't look so good now. But I usually look very useful for 51. Um I'm a little gaunt great. at the I'm I'm a little gaunt at the moment, but uh, but you know I'm a very useful person and i'm and i'm fortunate to to you know to 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 be able to be active and everything but i just i try to i just try to stay curious and and keep improving on, on various things in every area of my life whether it be professionally you know mentally spiritually uh you know um And that's what's next for me, just whatever is gonna gonna get laid in front of me, I'm just gonna try to keep doing a good job and hopefully do something where I go like, wow, like that, uh, you mentioned Joanna Connor's record that debuted at number one on the blues billboard chart, whatever that is, Uh, but it's very exciting for me because I, I, I mean, it's like, wow, people are listening to it. And I'm really proud of the work I did on that because my producer on that, Joe Bonamassa, asked me to do something i'd never done before and i took a couple guesses of how i'm going to do this and how i'm going to achieve this sound and i listened to it i'm like man that's cool sounding i'm i can't i i I can't believe I, i pulled that off i came up with this and this really works and you know it's like that's like wow i'm proud of myself for that one and that you know and that's two records ago two three records ago that i mixed and so i know there's I'm going to have some more opportunities to do something that excites me and, 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 and challenge myself.
1: That to me sounds like an absolutely great place to end, because I think what you're doing is you're juxtaposing that, that idea of if you get to the top of the mountain, you can fill that hole in your soul, as opposed to effectively filling it with, with curiosity every day.
0: Yeah, just go, go find a bigger mountain.
1: That's exactly it, JJ. Thank you so much for Chris, joining me, everybody.
0: And 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 this may, this means the world to me. So thank you for uh, thank you for inviting
1: me. You know what? Thank you. And and it's it's funny because you say that. And I I was nervous sending you the text to say, hey, would you would you be on my t- on my podcast? And you came back like thirty seconds later and said, of course I will definitely. And I'm like, oh, cool! Awesome. This is great. So. Thank you. Keep up. I look forward to seeing you when I get to LA at some point. If yes. you make it out to Utah, definitely come find me. Yeah,
0: I'm going to, don't, don't be mad when I take you up on that.
1: <laughs> yes. I'm hoping our house is done soon. So, so we might have some, some places to stay, but please do that. Uh, thanks again. Keep up the great work. Love falling. I brag about you all the time. So, so it's a mutual, <laughs> mutual ador- adoration uh, society here, but uh, for, for everybody who's joined us thank you very much for joining us on living it it is experts in the experience of being human please if you enjoy this tell your friends tell other people subscribe on apple on spotify on youtube and and follow us follow us and uh, we'll keep churning it out thanks very much take care thank you for joining us Please subscribe to Chris Waddell Living It for more stories on the adaptive community, the Paralympics, artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, experts in the experience of being human. Also follow us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and Instagram. I look forward to seeing you next week.